0: Howdy, this is Dan, and welcome to Sustainability Guy, episode two. Today, we will be discussing the Biden-Sanders Unity Task Force recommendations on the climate. So, updates on the podcast. One, nobody has listened to it yet. So, if you are listening to this, congratulations. To me, that is an infinite increase from zero to one Um, a few other things just playing with production quality and I think I need a pop filter for my S's and P's Um, but like I said before the perfect is the enemy of the good and uh, here we are recording episode 2 and I'll uh, try to get better every time I I record Uh, I I put episode 1 on Anchor which is a podcast host uh, hosting site, which is pretty cool uh, and so and now I submitted it to to iTunes so hopefully it can be, exist there as well um, but I really enjoyed talking about bicycling last time uh, and it was definitely not perfect and even the connection to you know climate change concern was a little tenuous, but I guess it was very. Not I guess. It was very cathartic to talk about stuff, even if nobody has listened to it, or nobody has listened to it yet. And this morning I woke up, and just this level of intensity and passion about trying to make the world better uh, kind of drove me. So what I did, uh, and the topic for this episode is I I went through... uh, the Biden-Sanders Unity Task Force recommendations and took a lot of notes on it. And these are my musings and my reactions on what what they came up with. A note on politics. Over the past couple of years, I've kind of shifted and become more engaged, um, donating to some campaigns and following candidates and things on Twitter and stuff like that. And I guess for me, the rationalization when you talk about the climate and engagement in politics, it seems, it seems a natural progression for me. I think there are three steps. Learn about the climate and how there's catastrophic climate breakdown. Two, understand that systems have to change. Individual action, extremely important for many reasons. And systems have to change. And three, the best way for systems to change is to make laws like taxing gasoline and uh, how to spend public money and a a thousand different things that has to be done through government. And so I see that kind of as a through line. Learn about climate, understand systems have to change, and then become involved in politics because that's, I think, how you can have the most reach. Uh, so that's where we are today. This is we, uh, uh, a podcast on these recommendations to the Biden campaign. So this document came out a few days ago. It's called the Biden-Sanders Unity Task Force Recommendations. And the document is 110 pages long. And there's... a task force on climate and on immigration reform and criminal justice reform and um, maybe six or seven uh, task forces. The task force for climate uh, is nine people. The two co-chairs are former Secretary of State John Kerry and Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Rounding out the list are Kathy Castor, Carrie Duggan, Catherine Flowers, Connor Lamb, Gina McCarthy, Donald McEachin, and Varshini Prakash. I'm not really familiar with most of them. Uh, I know John Kerry, of course, and AOC, and Varshini Prakash is the executive director of the Sunrise Movement. Um, So those are the nine people who wrote this. It's it's interesting to note that in this giant 110-page document, the climate task force is actually first so they are pages one through six and that's a summary and then climate is also pages 42 to 55 and those are the bullet pointed or the bulleted recommendations most of those are measurable some are not but what to actually do so it goes climate and then criminal justice reform and then economic reform, and then world-class education in every zip code, quality health care, immigration reform, and that's it. But climate is first, it's the first in the summary and it's first in the bullet, bulleted section. So you know, perhaps there's hope there in that it is it is listed first. So I've read some reactions to this and some articles on this, but I, I did read through it. I read through almost word for word. There was some stuff near, um, in the bulleted section I skimmed a little bit. Um, but uh, here's what we got. Um, Green New Deal is not mentioned. So those three words are not mentioned at all. That's, a, that's a huge. Um, so... That's not there. Um, the other thing I did notice is that the word bicycle or bicycling, I control F'd and try to find it. It's only in there one time. Um, and as a huge bicycle, adv- bicycle infrastructure advocate, that was uh, a little disheartening. Um, another kind of big reaction is it instantly goes to equity and justice. And talks about communities of color and low income families and indigenous communities over and over and over again. Um, workers' rights and environmental justice is, is uh, a through line uh, through everything that's written here. Um, so I'm going to just kind of go through and uh, go through the summary here. And then I'll go to the bulleted points. Uh, I really like the first sentence, pulling no punches. It's, climate change is a global emergency. Um, And that's what it is. So I appreciate that that's the first sentence that they wrote there. And I guess, um, backing up to, um, you know, how did I feel when I read this? Uh, I read it twice. I read the first part twice. Um, Hopeful is the first thing I felt. I also acknowledge and understand that this is a recommendation to the presumptive Democratic nominee uh, that he does not, you know, Biden in his campaign doesn't accept this, perhaps, or they might accept part of it. Um, he's also the presumptive nominee. He also has to win in November. Um, and they're basically trying to pull him to the left. And... You know, um, do more, uh, do more, spend more money. Uh, this is a an emergency, and the fact that AOC and Varshini Prakash, uh, Prakash among others, were on this, um, it pulls it way to the left. Uh, not as not as far as sort of the Biden or the, as the Sanders campaign uh, and a, a true Green New Deal, but um, pulling it that way. Substantially, for sure. So um, that's what this document is, um, and so we'll go back to the the details. So I love the first sentence: "Climate change is a global emergency." That's really cool. Um, and then uh, paragraph two on the first page, um, it instantly goes to equity of just, equity and justice, saying communities of color, low-income families, and indigenous communities have long suffered disproportionate and cumulative harm from air pollution, water pollution, and toxic sites. So it just instantly goes to, to equity uh, on the first page too. Um, the big paragraph near the bottom Democrats believe there's a better way. Um, and then there's a sentence. We will help rebuild our economy from the COVID-19 pandemic and president Trump's recession. And it goes from there. Uh, I understand this is a, you know, it's the democratic party. Um, But I always have taken issue with, uh, like they call it President Trump's recession and I know they're attacking him, yet uh, whenever presidents either um, claim that the stock market or the economy is is good because of them, uh, I think that's kind of a stretch because it's such a complex ecosystem with the, the, the world economy. Um, Or even when people attack the president, a single person. I know that the president of the United States has massive power. Yet, uh, you know, it's not his, you know, I don't know. It's not really his recession. I mean, there is a pandemic, and there are, you know, millions of factors uh, as far as how the global economy works. But anyway, that's how they phrased that, and I, I thought that was kind of... Um, so there's huge parts on uh, page two on workers' rights. Um, another thing I kind of uh, I thought was funny, uh, more than once on page two, they said, uh, we will build a diverse pipeline of talent in the clean energy economy by increasing access to industry-based credentialing programs and registered apprenticeships. Just using the word pipeline there, um, I know that's like a pipeline of talent and of people, uh, but in a in a climate document, I just thought it was kind of kind of an odd choice, kind of ironic. Um, cool. So then, kind of scrolling through the doc here. Um, so one of the biggest things in here. Um, the Biden campaign wanted this to be 2050, but uh, this task force is calling for 2035 for eliminating carbon pollution from power plants by 2035, which is in fewer than 14 and a half years. Um, and so these big numbers uh, and these big goals, are they're measurable and that's kind of what I clung to when I read this document. In addition, so so no carbon emissions from power plants in 2035. Also, 500 million solar panels and 60,000 wind turbines. And so these are lofty goals, but I appreciate that they're measurable because, you know, when I have my students write goals, uh, sometimes we call them smart goals. So it's like, are they measurable? Um, There has to be a time stamp on it, right? So, like, you can see if you did it or not. So when people outline, policy, I always appreciate that it's measurable and you can tell if you did it. Um, Another huge one um, on page three is that all new buildings must must be net zero by 2030. That's in fewer than nine and a half years um, and that's also huge. And then within that, um, retrofitting buildings for efficiency. So it's four million buildings and two million households to be retrofitted for insulation. And that is, sort of as climate policy goes, uh, probably the least glamorous uh, of things to do is to, to insulate buildings better so they trap heat and air conditioning better. But um, as far as carbon savings, it's, it's massive. Um, so I always see that and I think, that's kind of boring but um, just massive to, to have more uh, efficient buildings. Um, they go through and talk about um, um, following California's lead and uh, having better emission standards for cars and trucks, which has not really happened over the last few years. So the transportation sector is huge, and that's necessary. Um, so here we are on page three. Uh, we give it another big, hopeful, amazing number with uh, transitioning the entire fleet of 500,000 school buses to American-made zero-emission alternatives within five years. Um, that's huge um, and really better for respiratory health for children walking around where the, the, t- the exhaust pipe is like face level for a six-year-old. Um, 500,000 public charging stations for EVs. And uh, again, another note for myself, repeatedly going to um, low-income communities and communities of color, that this has to happen there, because they are the ones suffering the most from environmental injustice. Uh, Going down to the bottom of page four now, there's a, a nod to, not a nod, they're discussing uh, Native American tribes and communities including with respect to infrastructure permitting decisions. So we're talking about the pipelines that have gone through uh, like the Dakota Access and Keystone XL, which were both uh, I think they are both delayed. Um, I know three were just delayed or cancelled. Atlantic Coast, Dakota Access and Keystone XL but basically saying that we will consult you and this is, this is not ours. This is not our land. Uh, this is yours. So... Explicitly saying that again, I think, is crucial. Um, We go to reacting to national disasters and climate resilience, um, helping those in coal country and Appalachia and jobs. Um, I was interested that they, you know, there's this really lofty paragraph on page five. Uh, we will challenge the best and brightest scientists, innovators, and entrepreneurs in the world to pursue breakthrough opportunities in energy storage, heavy-duty trucking and freight solutions, sustainable aviation fuels, and direct air capture and net negative emissions technologies. So they use the word later, moonshot. You know, these are the maybe there'll be a breakthrough thing, you know, to, to mitigate co2 emissions or to, or to reverse them um but you know i'm reading peter his book now being the change live well and spark a climate revolution and he makes it clear and i completely agree the best thing to do is to burn less fossil fuels should we pursue these things like sustainable aviation fuels uh yes uh, and um We're just nowhere near that for the amount of people who fly every day and every year. Um, So it's cool that they put this in there and that research will go into trying to figure all this stuff out. That is good, yet the most important thing is to simply burn less fossil fuels. Uh, Still near the bottom of page five, we get what's called the 30 by 30. Uh, And I think this is... uh, championed by the Sierra Club and the Nature Conservancy and WWF and things like that, that 30% of American land and 30% of American water should be conserved and protected by 2030. So it's 30 by 30. Uh, And so that's awesome, I like that. Another measurable goal, see if that happens. Uh, And then we go to international stuff. This is bottom of page five, top of page six, sort of the last few paragraphs here. Rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement, of course. Uh, And then another thing that was cool in reading this is I learned a few things. So there are some things that I didn't know. So um, top of page six, Democrats will work to ratify the Kigali Amendment to the Montreal Protocol and move expeditiously to phase out super-polluting hydrofluorocarbons in the United States. So I'd heard of Montreal, that was 1989, and that was protecting the ozone. But I didn't know about the Kigali Amendment, which is 2016 and basically says we should cut hydrofluorocarbons more which are a super-polluting greenhouse gas. Uh, so it's cool. I I, I didn't I never heard of the Kigali Amendment before. And then in the final paragraph here, it's the first time that they're using the phrase sustainable development, which is a uh, a branch of the United Nations. You know, so it's a very UN, very sustainable development goals. Uh, so that's the first time that's used here. Uh, And then another thing that I noticed twice, I don't know who the copy editor was here, but I found two errors, so uh, just in the document, there's a space between the F and the Ulbright in Fulbright Fellowships, and then later in the bulleted section, there's uh, two spaces between words. So anyway, there are a couple of of errors in this document too. So I'm scrolling down to Climate Unity Task Force Recommendations. This is from pages 42 to 55. And again, there's a little bit more language. There's, there's one more sentence of prose before we go through the bulleted list, which um, I really loved. So it says, the Unity Task Force urges that we treat climate change like the emergency that it is and answer the crisis with an ambitious, unprecedented, economy wide mobilization to decarbonize the economy and build a resilient, stronger foundation for the American people. So I think that kind of sums up the point of this. So some of the notes I took here. Um, I, I really liked, uh, I'm on page 43 now, that. One bullet says all people have value, and um, if we acted, they said, quote, um, if we acted accordingly, there would be no such thing as sacrifice zones or cancer alleys. And sacrifice zones is something I've recently come in contact with in, in trying to do my best to educate myself on racism and how that interacts with climate, and that racial justice is environmental justice, in there systems of oppression that exploit planet and people for profit. Um, And they're inextricably linked, and you have to actively fight both. Um, So sacrifice zones is, you know, basically a place where it is exploitable and you can sacrifice there. Like, we're going to put our our coal plant here, and air pollution is going to be bad here, and this is going to be a sacrifice zone. And you can't have a sacrifice zone or an area without disposable people. Right, so it is almost always when we look at environmental justice, Black people, Indigenous people, and people of color, and and you have to actively fight that because that's that's true all around this country. So I thought that was cool that they put sacrifice zones and cancer alleys in here, and that these are human rights we're talking about. Multiple times throughout this document, they also talked about, um, you know, this this robust core. Like, almost like a climate core, kind of like a peace core, that um, is pretty interesting, even even as like, huh, I wonder if I could be involved in that somehow. Um, not as a solar panel installer, perhaps, but maybe as some sort of education person. Page 45, in the environmental justice section, there's uh, holding corporate polluters responsible and, and bringing them to justice, uh, people like exxon who who knew and covered up, and all these huge fossil fuel companies that that actively use propaganda and greenwashing to make them appear good when they are not so holding corporate polluters responsible is is also huge, cool. So if we go to page forty seven the electricity sector. Um, again, these big measurable numbers uh, eliminate carbon pollution from power plants by 2035. And 500 million solar panels, 60,000 wind turbines. And then we get the numbers on retrofitting houses, the insulation. Cool. And then the transportation section, I, I thought was kind of intriguing. So this is pages 48 and 49 in there. Recommendations. There's seven bullets here, and the first one is strong standards for cars and trucks, which is important. Um, and uh, mass transit and rail are bullets five and seven. So, just kind of the, I feel like the car-centric culture is so ingrained in America that you know we need EVs and charging stations. When pedestrian and bicycle and, and public trans transit buses and trains, uh, that's that's what we have to do. Um, I just think about the hardscape uh, of highways and um, how much square how many square miles that takes up, and um, just the hyper individualism of car culture. Um, and even if they are EVs, yes, that's good. Uh, yes, it still, you know, draws from the grid. So it depends how clean the grid is, wherever you're charging. Um, but just the fact that it's, you know, standard, strong standards for cars and trucks is one. Invest in clean cars and buses is two. Accelerate the adoption of zero emission vehicles is three. So it's just very car heavy. But, you know, that's what we have right now. This is a this is a car culture. That's it's where we live. So anyway, I just I was I was just kind of saddened that rail is number seven. Invest in high-speed passenger and freight rail systems while reducing pollution. Um, it's just very car-centric. So even this is car-centric, which I guess it needs to be, but it's still sort of disheartening. Uh, I like that they have cash for clunkers here in Bullet Three. So subsidized payments for people who are dumping internal combust- combustion engine cars. Um, there's an economic incentive there. People will do it. Um, and then again, another, like, another huge disappointment is I, I searched with command F bicycle, and then I searched bicycling. And it, it, that bicycling is not in there, but the word bicycle is in there one time. So it's under bullet five, mass transit. Encourage states to prioritize allocation of transportation funds for public mass transit and pedestrian and bicycle infrastructure and ensure transportation options and infrastructure meet the needs of tribal, rural, and urban communities to fully participate in zero emissions transport. Just my opinion, I just I just think the bicycle has just a, a way bigger role here. Um, in in cities, you know, thinking about New York City and Amsterdam and places like that are really sprawly like Houston or Atlanta or L.A. Um, You know, if it's there, people will ride, you know. If you build it, they will come. I think that's true. That's what happened in Amsterdam in the 70s. They said, we will will change, and people ride bikes there now. Um, So it was, again, disheartening that bicycle was literally said one time that comes from a, somebody who bicycles all the time so uh, page 49 they do use the word moonshot again here I, I think that's cool it's kind of like um, you know Kennedy's we're going to the moon this decade um, talking about net negative emissions technologies and you know this stuff that doesn't exist and we just have to burn f- less fossil fuels but we should still pursue it Page 51, so we're almost at the end of their recommendations, but this is where um, banning fracking should have been and it it was not here and that was something that Bernie championed uh, and they didn't put this in here. Um, And I wish it were, but it's not in here. So under fossil fuels, there are a couple of good ones, like really simple and straightforward and massive, like end financing for coal projects overseas. Great, that's measurable, and you should just do that. And then repealing fossil fuel subsidies, great, yes, um, that's that's the that's the extent of the language there, that that should happen. And um, but the ban fracking is is omitted; it is not in here. Um, page fifty one here, we get into agriculture, and I don't know it, I don't know enough. Um, about farming and big ag, but uh, offering subsidies for regenerative agricultural practices is in here, which is massive. Uh, so I like this sentence here. That includes growing cover crops, increasing soil health and water holding capacity, and conserving marginal farmland. Um, another measurable, which pops up very near the end on page 52, is planting trees, which is something that is often discussed. is measurable. It's, it sort of makes people happy. Uh, the language they use here is Plant over 16 billion new native and non-invasive trees by 2050 on a combination of federal, state, local, tribal, and non-governmental lands, including urgently planting in urban neighborhoods across America with the priority going to low-income neighborhoods and communities of color. So I think that's huge, and putting them in cities is huge. The heat island effect from so much hardscape um, disproportionately impacts low-income people and people of color. Um, it cleans the air you know it's, uh, it reduces noise pollution it makes people happy it, it increases happiness a little pocket of nature can be, can be massive for mental health So, we get a number by 2050 is 16 billion um, which is good, it will suck up carbon um, and it is one piece of the puzzle cool uh, bottom of 52 we get parks, monuments and oceans and we get 30 by 30 again committing to preserve 30% of America's land and 30% of America's water by 2030. And my thinking on that, too, is that a lot of that should be in cities and around cities to to combat the, the dualism of man versus nature. You know, we, we don't go to nature and then we come back. We, we are nature. We are a species. And, you know, these protected areas, these little corner parks and um, rain gardens and everything have to be in cities for us to move forward, I think. I also learned a new acronym, which is pretty exciting. So page 53, um, NDCs for COP26. So I know COP26 is the Conference of the Parties. It's the 26th one. It's going to be in Glasgow in November 2021. But NDCs are Nationally Determined Contributions. And that's sort of what a country's going to do to meet the climate goals. So that was cool, I didn't know what that meant, NDCs for COP26. And then finally on pages 54 and 55, and this is the end of the climate recommendations, there are five stories, they're a paragraph long, uh, about environmental justice, and it, it brings it, it makes it more real. So I really like this sentence at the top. The Unity Task Force would like to communicate the following environmental justice stories to the Biden campaign to help inform campaign communications and policy development. And it talks about Cancer Alley in St. James Parish, Louisiana, the emergence of hookworm and raw sewage in Lowndes County, Alabama. I'm not sure if I said that right. Climate gentrification in Little Haiti in Florida and about sea level rise in Little Haiti in Florida lead in the water in Denmark, South Carolina, and then Detroit zip code 48217, which is the most polluted zip code in Michigan. So I think that's just critical, you know, Biden and his team to read that. So that's kind of the, the walk through. I, I had no idea how, how this would sound. I just took a whole bunch of notes on this document and talked through it, and if you're still listening, thank you. And Again, this is cool. This is, this is what is recommended to Biden. It's not law. It's not even, you know, it's a recommendation that he might take and he might not take. But um, I think to stay informed, you have to be engaged in politics. I, I, you just, you, that's the biggest lever, you know, is, is how to spend public money, how to plant 16 billion trees, how to regulate cars and trucks emissions to to um you know the biggest one to have power plants not emit carbon in less than 15 years and moving that up by 15 years so if biden was saying 2050 and this is saying 2035 um it's not perfect and that doesn't mean you shouldn't fight uh, and you shouldn't try to do better um I hope that all of these recommendations are adopted and more, a complete transformation of of the economy and of our energy system. All of that stuff has to happen, and um, I desperately hope that our federal government, after the next election cycle, becomes a global leader. Uh, thank you for listening. I uh, hope that you liked it. and. I know that there are probably hundreds of things I'm doing wrong here with um, cadence and tone and production value and long pauses when I'm thinking and scrolling through a document. Uh, But anyway, this is what I sound like right now and I think it's kind of cool and kind of coming at this from a place of humility and I'm not an expert on anything, But I I enjoy talking about this. And if anybody finds comfort or just enjoys listening to this uh, or likes to hear my perspective, then that's really cool. And if if I never make one of these again or uh, nobody listens to it ever, then that's cool too. So it's just kind of a cool experiment, you know. Uh, So see you next time.